0: It is clear these bowls are not dripped out, they are poured out, they are emptied quickly and without any delay, and they come one after another in quick succession.
1: This is Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogie, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. In our study of the Revelation, we have seen that at some point in the future, all the Christians in the world will be removed through an event known as the Rapture. Following this Rapture, there will be three sets of judgment God extends to the world. We've looked at the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments, and today we begin a look at what are described as bold judgments.
0: Now, we've all heard the expression, it can't get much worse. Well, for those who are alive during this time frame in human history that is described in our text, it's going to get a whole lot worse. When we come to Revelation chapter 16, we discover that the love and the grace and the immense patience of God, that his hesed, his Kesed will give way, his mercy will break and the dam of God's wrath will flow. And really, the only expression of God's wrath that is worse than what we find in Revelation 16 is what we will study when we come to Revelation chapter 20. That is the wrath that is found in the lake of fire. But there is good news in the midst of this bad news because God promises that the church, the body of Christ, will not be here. But after the church is removed, this seven-year period, like the world has never, ever seen before, it's a graphic, gruesome picture, the world is going to have one final wake-up call from God Almighty to repent and to believe. And you could almost hardly believe, not believe that it was true unless you read it on the printed pages of Scripture. Jeremiah the prophet, who ministered before the Babylonian captivity, spoke of a coming day in Israel's history. It's called the time of Jacob's distress or the time of Jacob's trouble. That's the seven-year period that the revelation unfolds for us. And he says this of that coming time, ask now and see if a male can give birth. Why do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in childbirth? And why have all faces turned pale, alas, For that day is great. There is none like it. It is the time of Jacob's distress. Jeremiah reminds them that during the tribulation period, during the time of Jacob's trouble, that men will wrap their arms around themselves like a woman giving birth and that people's faces will become pale at the frightening events that God is going to bring upon the nation. We studied Daniel chapter 12, and if you remember, Michael, the archangel, came to the prophet Daniel, and again of this coming time, he warned him, and there will be a time of distress such as has never occurred since there was a nation until that time. And at that time, your people, everyone who is found written in the book, will be rescued. One of the functions of the great tribulation is not only to bring Gentiles who have never heard the gospel before to faith, but to bring the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, to confess that Yeshua, Jesus, is indeed the Messiah. Now let me bring you into the context of chapter 16. There's many new people, and many of us are studying the book of Revelation for the first time, and we're trying to solidify in our mind how the book unfolds when you come to chapter 4 of the Revelation after he has spoken to seven churches in chapters 2 and 3, if you remember, a door is opened in heaven, and we see the 24 elders who are worshiping at the throne of God. And we saw 24 was a representative number of the body of Christ. The church has been taken up into heaven. In the fifth chapter, we see the Lord Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He has given the scroll, the seven-sealed scroll, in which Contained in it is what is called the wrath of the Lamb. And so starting in chapter 6 in verse 1, all the way really through the 18th chapter, you have an expansion of Daniel 9 where you have a schematic of the end times events. It's airing right now on the radio, but if you were not here during our exposition of the prophet Daniel, at least go back and study Daniel 9. It will be critically important for what we're going to study now and the rest of the Revelation. There's a Search the Scriptures app, searchthescriptures.org. You can download it and listen to those messages on Daniel 9 at your leisure. But that schematic is expanded here in chapters 6 through 19. And if you remember, as you work through the Revelation, those judgments come as seal, bowl, and trumpet. It judgments, and they consecutively follow one another, as this chart will help you to see. In chapter 6 through 18, there's a series of 21 judgments. And again, if you don't understand the architecture of the Revelation, the book is difficult and challenging to understand. But as you read it and reread it, it becomes very clear as to what God ha- how God has structured this book. If you remember, there are seven seals. And in the seventh seal, there are seven trumpets. We studied each of those seal judgments. We saw that you could only see them one at a time. And so every time a seal was broken, you'd see the next seal. But when you came to the seventh seal, in the seventh seal were contained seven trumpets. And you could see all seven trumpets. And in the seventh trumpet are contained seven bowls. And so the reaction of chapter 8 and verse 1. There is 30 minutes of silence in heaven. All the praise and worship stops. People's breath are literally taken away as they see what God is going to do in the trumpet and the bowl judgments. Now, if you were here last time, we studied chapter 15. It's the shortest chapter in the Revelation, so we dedicated just one sermon to it. Today, we're going to see these seven angels who are introduced to us in chapter 15 begin to unfold their seven plagues. And remember, the first six seals describe the first half of the tribulation. The trumpet and bowl judgments start at the middle of the tribulation. The Antichrist goes into a rebuilt temple. He commits what Jesus and Paul and the prophet Daniel speak of. And as John the Apostle describes, the abomination of desolation. And when that event takes place... An expression of God's wrath like the world has never seen begins to unfold. Now, as bad as the trumpets were, they don't even begin to compare to the bold judgments. The seal judgments, if you remember, represent the first three and a half years. And so Jesus said of those first three and a half years, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. And we saw how the Olivet discourse up until uh Matthew twenty four fifteen, where the abomination of desolation is described, up until that it perfectly parallels the sealed judgments. So the birth pangs are in the first three and a half years, but then the world goes into full labor, as it were, and the second half described as the great tribulation begins to unfold. And Jesus said, unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, for believers, those days will be cut short. Now, you know that Jesus is truth incarnate, and no one can ever, ever, ever accuse him of exaggeration. And that's an incredible statement that he makes when you consider all the wars, all the holocausts, all the fires, all the famines, all the tsunamis, all the earthquakes, all the volcanic eruptions. When you think of all the atrocities that have taken place from Adam and Eve until this present day, Jesus said you can add it all together, and it doesn't even begin to compare to this coming time frame in human history. What we are seeing in the world today are not the birth pangs. Some say, well, look at all the earthquakes, and look at all this, and look at all that. This is Matthew 24 being fulfilled. No, it's not. We studied that carefully. Those events are not fulfilled until until the church is taken out. Those are fulfilled in the first half of the tribulation. But what we are seeing today should make your eyes open wide because it alerts you to the fact that indeed, this world is pregnant and it's about ready to go into labor. And just as a woman who goes into labor, her birth pangs intensify and increase in time and in pain. So we see that in these three sets of judgments, 21 in all. So for instance, when we studied the sealed judgments, you'll remember that it affected one-fourth of the world. When we came to the first four trumpets, we saw 13 times over that the trumpet judgments affected one-third of the world. But now we come to the bold judgments, and they affect the entire planet. Again, just like Jesus said, increasing in the intensity of the judgments. Now, God is getting the earth's attention in the sealed judgments. He is warning the world in the trumpet judgments of the coming eternal wrath. But when you come to the bold judgments, he is bringing a completion of his wrath and his program here on earth. And the bold pronouncements, they fall in rapid succession like a trip hammer blow and one after another bringing the great tribulation to an end. Now, I think it will take us at least three weeks to get through chapter 16. Today, as you can see, we're going to cover just the uh, first six verses of this chapter. But so that you have a flavor of where it's going, we're going to read today the entire chapter. So follow along in your Bible, Revelation chapter 16, beginning now in verse 1. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth and it became a loathsome and malignant sore on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshiped his image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea and it became blood like that of a dead man and every living thing in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out the bowl into the rivers and the springs of waters, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O Holy One, because you judge these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sun, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce fierce heat, and they blasphemed the name of God who has the power over these plagues, and they did not repent so as to give him glory." Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the Euphrates, and the water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs, for they are spirits of demons performing signs, which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the almighty behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame." And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called har Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it and so mighty The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath, and every island fled away, and the mountains were not found, and huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague was extremely severe. This is one of the most frightening chapters, I suppose, in all of the Bible. Now, I know sometimes, as preachers, we're accused of being too negative. And uh, we're supposed to, I'm told, go around and make everyone feel good. Well, I hate to tell you, this is not one of those feel-good chapters. And uh, if you leave today, you probably won't leave, maybe, and you're thinking with a lot of good Joel Osteen positive feelings. But lay that aside, uh, there is much that we can learn from it. It reminds me of that little boy who took his math test, and he came home, and he said, Daddy, I flunked my math test. And his dad said, Son, can't you be just a little more positive in your thinking? To which he said, Okay, Daddy, I'm positive I flunked my math test. Well, I want to tell you, you're going to have some positively negative feelings today. But if you understand those expressions that God gives us in this chapter, you will actually leave with a blessing. Remember, in the opening of this book, in chapter 1 and verse 3, we are promised that those who read, hear, and obey the revelation will indeed be blessed. And so there is much blessing in this chapter if you have eyes to see it. Now at this point, the world has been ruined by man. He has messed it up so bad. Satan, the prince of the power of the air, has been ruling this world, ruined by man, ruled by the devil, but it is about to be rescued by God Almighty. Look at chapter 15. If you remember, the 15th chapter was kind of the prologue, the introduction to the bowls of wrath. And we read in 15.1, then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels, who had seven plagues. Now that's important. They're called seven plagues in chapter 15, but they're called seven bowls in chapter 16. And God does that for a purpose to help us to see some parallels. Seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last because in them the wrath of God is finished. God's eschatological wrath is finished during the tribulation. When these seven bowls are finished, the tribulation is over and Jesus will come back. Chapters 17 and 18, like some other parentheses that we saw, are a time of reflection to help us to see what was going on during this time. In the 19th chapter, we see the second coming of Jesus Christ. So beginning here in chapter 16, these seven angels with their seven or seven plagues, to whom we were introduced in the last chapter, they step forth to execute the plans that God has for them. So let's examine today at least the first three of these bowls. There's a note-taking outline. If you're new, it's there in your bulletin. The first bowl is the bowl of the cankerous sores. The bowl of the cankerous sores. Notice, again, how verse 1 begins, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying, Now, don't ever forget, the chapter and verse divisions are artificial. They're added almost a thousand years after the Bible is completed to help us find our way around it. And chapter 15 is closely connected to this chapter. You don't want to miss the flow of thought. Verse 8, in many ways, serves as an introduction. We read in verse 8 of chapter 15, And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So this verse is describing a a transformation that is taking place in God's heavenly temple. Remember, Moses came down off of the mountain, and he was not only given the decalogue, he was given the blueprint, so to speak, on how to construct the tabernacle. The tabernacle was kind of the portable temple. In fact, sometimes it's called the temple. But later on, David said, look, God's just living in a tent. We need something more permanent. And so He, under Solomon, his son, built a more permanent structure called the temple. But the temple, the tabernacle, we're told in the Bible, was not just randomly designed. It was designed after what God has in heaven, after the tabernacle, after the temple that's in heaven. So here's God. He's in the heavenly tabernacle. And we're told in this verse that smoke is filling the place. And we studied, if you're here for that verse, that the smoke signified the Shekinah the glory of God. And we looked at several examples, letting scripture interpret scripture. And it is so filled at this point. In essence, the scripture says here, no one was able to enter the temple. It was so filled with smoke as it was if God was saying, stay out. I am busy. Do not interrupt me. I'm about to finish my judgment on this world. And so clearly, since no one is able to enter the temple, this loud voice from the temple must be the voice of God the Father himself who initiates these horrific, bold judgments. Again in verse 1, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. These seven angels are specifically commanded to pour out on the earth. Underscore in your mind the word earth. Pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. It is clear these bowls are not dripped out. They are poured out. They are emptied quickly and without any delay and they come one after another in quick succession. With the exception of the brief brief pause for explanation in verses 5 and 6. They come very, very quickly. When you come to the 16th chapter, you're at the very end of the seven-year time frame. And what's interesting, as we will see as we walk through all of these bowls, is the striking parallel between these seven plagues And the plagues that came upon the land of Egypt in Moses' day, they're similar in kind and we will see they're similar in time. If you go back and you study the plagues of Egypt, there are 24 different days that are listed. And with a few of the plagues, for them to have their full effect, there's some time between them. But when you read the whole account, it's a short period of time, only a few months at best. And so like the plagues of Egypt that were real and literal and supernatural, no one can approach the 16th chapter and allegorize these because many of these plagues are quite similar to what happened in Moses's day. There was a heretical edition of the Bible put out some years ago. It was called the Reader's Digest Version. They tried to compress the Bible so you didn't have to read the whole thing. They weren't doing us a favor, but in compressing the Bible into a short edition, they took a very naturalistic approach to the judgments that were unfolded in the Exodus, According to their explanation, there was a volcanic eruption which caused the water to turn poisonous and red, and then in turn it drove the frogs inland, bringing flies, and and then they died in heaps, and and it caused the cattle to die, and on and on they dribble on this naturalistic, so-called scientific explanation as to what happened in Exodus. Of course, that denies the fact that Moses specifically, God's servant, describes these as plagues and there's no way they can recalculate the 10th plague where God comes through the land, and unless he sees the blood of a spotless lamb on the doorpost and the lentil, the firstborn in every home, whether the firstborn is your grandfather or your firstborn son, the firstborn in every home, be he 80 or eight days old, dies. You cannot rationalize that plague. And to rationalize that plague, you basically, to be consistent, you have to rationalize all the plagues, but you can't do that. Now, let me parenthetically say, that's the liberal, apostate, Protestant, and even some Catholic scholars in that day who attacked the Bible. They just kind of write it off. But there are evangelical Christians that teach what's called replacement theology, supersessionism, that says the church has replaced Israel. And if you were here for the very first message I gave in the Revelation, we discovered that there are three approaches to the book of Revelation. One is the preterist view, the other is the historical view, and the third is the futuristic view. And depending which framework you come from will totally determine how you interpret it. The preterist view comes basically out of Roman Catholicism. Augustine, he learned it from Origen said that the church had replaced Israel, that God had no plan for the people of Israel. That the church, in their case, the Roman Catholic Church, as they later taught, was now the true people of God. In fact, to this day, as affirmed in Vatican I and Vatican II, they teach that salvation can only come through the Roman Catholic Church. They might say that you as a Protestant can be saved in ignorance. I cannot because according to Catholic doctrine, I could read chapter and verse because I was once a Catholic and officially rejected it, I'm lost. But lay that aside. That's not my point this morning. Preteris from the heat Latin word praetor means past. And so the preterist interpretation says everything you read in the book, in the book of Revelation, with the exception of chapter 19, where Jesus comes back at his second coming, is history. They say it all took place before 70 A.D. And then there's the historical interpretation that Luther ascribed to. Calvin was a preterist. Luther was a historicist, and he believed that the book of Revelation was being Fulfilled during church history, and of course, there are historicists today. And depending what century you live in, typically determines how you interpret the Revelation. And so Luther actually believed that the Pope in his day was the literal Antichrist who's described in the Book of Revelation. Again, with either of those viewpoints, you have to rationalize, you have to allegorize how you approach the Revelation. And there is biblical justification to take it only as a futuristic interpretation. Why? Because the Scripture contains within the Bible how to interpret the Bible. And within the Bible, there is a literal, grammatical, historical interpretation of the Bible that every prophecy for the first coming was literally fulfilled, and that's how we are to take it for the second coming. And so to force these judgments in chapter 16 into some allegorical approach is to write off the plagues in the Exodus and you're basically coming up with a bunch of hooey. Look again at verse one. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth. Underscore that in your thinking because we're going to see that in the bold judgments, it affects the entire planet. There has never, ever, ever been a time in human history, and certainly not before 70 AD, where there have been judgments and plagues that have come upon the entire planet. And yet when Jesus addresses the seven churches, he warns the church at Philadelphia that because of their faithfulness, they are gonna be removed from that time frame because they're true believers. A time frame of tribulation that will come upon the whole earth. Never, ever, ever has happened in 6,000 years of human history. Even with the plagues of the middle ages, never, ever has there been plagues that have come upon the whole planet. And yet that's the description here. Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God.
1: Even the pandemic we are experiencing with the COVID-19 will pale in comparison to the plagues that will be poured out on the earth in quick succession through the bowl judgments. To listen again to today's study from Revelation 16, entitled The Coming Bowls of Wrath, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets, or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV43. We are delighted to share that Search the Scriptures can now be heard in the Metro Boston area on AM 1090 WILD. If you listen to us in the greater New England area or have friends who live in and around Boston, would you tell them about Search the Scriptures? We're heard at 10.30 a.m. on 10.90 a.m. And if you can help support this Bible teaching ministry, just click the Give button on the Search the Scriptures app or online at searchthescriptures.org. Thank you. Tomorrow, Pastor Carl's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, we'll continue our look at the coming bulls of wrath. Join us then as we Search the Scriptures.